0: Gad, this is Pinky of Pinky and the Brain, and you are listening to an elegant weapon. It's the only thing the brain and I listen to just before we take over the world, which means we listen a lot, because we've never really
1: taken over the world, have we? Oh well. No. An, an elegant weapon for a more civilized age.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to an Elegant Weapon episode 302. My name is J.J.M. Clark, J. the Jedi, Ross, Ross, Jedi, J. And I might sound a little bit funny right now, kids. I uh, got a little hoarseness of the voice, uh, a little swolleness of the tongue. Uh, this weekend, uh, Sunday, yesterday, in fact, was action out in Windsor, a fantastic little show put on by the comic book syndicate, our friends Jolie and Mike, and uh, I did a lot of talking, and a little bit of drinking, and uh, you'll have to forgive me, so I'm a little bit parched, it's also first thing in the morning, Uh, it's family day here in Ontario, which is a holiday, so I have the day off, work. Normally I'd have had an episode prepared for y'all already, that's why this one's dropping a little bit late, because we had the weekend to deal with, plus we had a little something pre-arranged. Joining me on the show, this episode, you all know him very, very well if you listen to the show at all, our good friend Mr. J.P. Fosgid. hello Jay.
1: Hey Jay, I'm glad to be back on the show, because it's the best show ever. Nice, there you go.
0: well you're one of the best guests ever, so. Ah. Uh. Let's not turn this into a giant love fest. I think people are getting sick of our love fests. Well, they can listen to someone else, then. They can, because I I will never be ashamed of my love for you, Jay.
1: Nope, it's guy love.
0: Nor will I ever be ashamed of my love for SourcePoint. Press, Ricky Lima.
1: Ricky Lima, who I wish I could have said hi to I'm only kidding.
0: Ricky's adorable. Uh... We were joking around a lot about it this morning, but I can't help it. I push, I push what I believe, and I believe in SourcePoint Press. But you didn't get a chance to talk to him much?
1: No, and Ricky's one of my favorite guys, so I'm really disappointed, but I hope I'll see him at Toronto Comic-Con.
0: Oh, I guarantee you'll see him at Toronto Comic-Con. He would not
1: miss it for the world, I'm sure.
0: So, uh, we had a fun weekend. Jay and I got to see each other, got to hang out. I will publicly thank you for your gift. Uh, Jay got a commission of me for me by Mr. James Anderson, who's a fantastic cartoonist, does a a comic called Ellie on Planet X. Yeah. And you're a big fan of his, yes?
1: Yeah, well, you know, Jim and I are from the same area, and we started off doing tiny shows together out here, and, um, you know, all my friends are talented in their own ways, but Jim's the one guy that I fanboy over, because nobody cartoons like Jim, and so I've drawn you so many hundreds of times i'm like you know what a jim anderson jay clark needs to happen and he did not disappoint not at all
0: like it's pretty insane and especially after you always talking about the characterization points of my physicality and then seeing his take on it it's like yeah yeah, he went for the same zeroed in on the same points right
1: well and again um, this isn't a love fest here, but I'm just going to tell you that when I look at you, I see the design work of E.C. Seeger, who created Popeye, and these iconic – like the way you do your kind of mutton chops and the hat.
0: Right, right.
1: And I mean you, you're the perfectly designed cartoon character in, in real life, so that's something Jim had to recreate.
0: That's hilarious. Well, I really, really appreciate that. If anybody wants to see it, it's on an Elegant Weapons Instagram and Facebook page and such, and – uh you know, you can also look up James on Instagram at uh, uh, Ellie on Planet X, and uh, you should all check that out. He's also a very nice guy. You know, yeah. For the little I've got to talk to him, he seems like a super swell fellow. So totally. But it was a lot of fun at action. Uh, I had good times. Uh, the guest of honor at the show is Mister Tony Isabella, and he's the creator of Black Lightning, as well as uh, Misty Knight of Luke Cage. And, uh, what a nice guy. I had the pleasure to sit down and have breakfast with him in the morning. And he regaled us with tales of DC past. And, How uh, awesome. oh, yeah, dude, it's always fantastic to hear those stories. Cause every time you get these little tidbits, these little points of views that you wouldn't have thought of. Uh-huh. And it's such a deep history behind the scenes of the comic industry. It's insane. So.
1: And he's such a positive guy, too. You know. Oh,
0: so positive. And so chatty and talkative and willing to just engage with anybody who came to his table or said hello. Like, the, he is not a shy
1: individual
0: whatsoever.
1: No, he's the ideal guest for these sorts of
0: things. He's a cute little old Italian guy who invented yeah. Black Lightning, <laughs> which is fucking awesome. He had a hand in Misty Night. Uh, man, if he had touched Black Panther, it would have been the Black Fecta. you know it would have been really cool man so uh yeah so it was very cool to hang out with all of our friends and uh that not being the main point of why jay's hanging out with us today though because we are a mere oh what nine days
1: I think that's right. It's the 28th.
0: Nine days until the release of something very, very special. Before I tell you about that, just in case there are new listeners to the show, just like Stan Lee says, a a comic is everybody's first comic, right? Or somebody's Mm -hmm. first comic. So if you are unfamiliar with J.P. Fosgit J.P. Fosgit is a cartoonist and illustrator from the Michigan area. Uh, you've done quite a bit for, of work for Marvel at this point, uh, mainly variant covers, but you've also done uh, some Spider-Verse stories. Yes. Uh, and you did a whole issue of Rocket and Groot, or yeah.
1: yes? Yeah, yeah.
0: I get, I'm getting thing. confused at this point. You've done enough. It's hard to keep straight.
1: Yeah, but the, the Rocket Raccoon and Groot issue was the big one. So.
0: Uh, Jay's also been an illustrator on the My Little Pony comics for years. Yeah. Uh, as well as your own creation, Dead Duck and Zombie Chick, which is an old book that is now re-available through SourcePoint Press. Yes. So that's Jay. Jay's a very popular cartoonist. Uh, everybody loves Jay. Uh, Jay's a... He's also done work for the Henson Company, and I heard you mention it this weekend, so I think we're allowed to say what you're working on right now?
1: Uh, Yeah, at this point, I'm going to say it just because why not? Um, I am writing and drawing an issue of the upcoming Fraggle Rock comic book for (laughs) Boom through its Archaea imprint.
0: That's super fun.
1: (laughs) That's definitely on the bucket list for things I've wanted to do since I was a kid, so um, it's a... Awesome time playing in that world that Jim Henson created.
0: Which you've already done. You've already worked on the uh, the Art of Labyrinth book and uh, some Dark Crystal.
1: Yeah, yeah. All my, my favorite tenants of, of Henson I've gotten to work on so far, except for the Muppets themselves, which would be through Disney. But I'm pretty confident that will happen sooner or later.
0: Oh, confidence is a good thing. Yeah. Project your goals and they will occur. <laughs> hey,
1: I believe it. I believe
0: it. So that's Jay. That's you. That's uh, that's in a nutshell. That's Jay's career so far. Yeah. As uh, has his other cool stuff, but uh, you're actually quite prolific. If you follow Jay online on any of his social media sites, th- there's constant new material to enjoy. So uh, Jay, the passion project, the thing that is closest to your heart is uh, Bodhi Troll. Now, Bodhi Troll is a comic you started years ago that came out uh what do you uh, I'm going to say it wrong Red 5 Red 5 I almost said Red Planet
1: <laughs> Yeah no, Red yeah Red 5 uh, independent company that's still kicking today and doing some nice stuff and it's where Bodhi got to start uh when I signed with them in 2012
0: But Bodhi is moving on And Bodhi is moving up into the world of Boom. And as of February 28th, Boom is releasing all the old Bodhi plus new Bodhi in a fantastic big collection. So that is why Jay is here because we want to let you all know that this is about to happen. And it's going to be very, very exciting. So, Jay... Yeah. Uh, the old Bodhi is coming. I guess starting off, as I just said, there might be some new listeners, so why don't you give us that uh, elevator plot pitch for what Bodie Troll is?
1: Uh, in a nutshell, Bodhi is a fairy tale troll that wants to be big and scary, but he's too cute and cuddly, so no one takes him seriously. Uh, Bodhi the story is set in this anachronistic goofy fairy tale world that has all the typical fairy tale tropes but completely turns them on their ear so it's sort of the muppets meet fractured fairy tales meets princess bride and and any kind of satirical fairy tale you can think of that is bodie plus a heck of a lot of heart
0: uh, that's that's the nutshell
1: <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> um Yes, Bodhi is definitely like a, a, a culmination of everything you've ever been into or loved or inspired you in any way. Yeah. And, uh, it's very, very exciting for that. It's family-friendly. It's definitely all ages. It's very Disney-esque in the way that there's something for everybody. You can yeah. read it with your kids, and they're going to have a great time. And uh, there's also stuff in there for them that the kids probably won't notice.
1: Yeah, I think it's multi-tiered and what it can bring to people.
0: So let's kind of start at the beginning of this kind of new chapter in Bodhi because Bodhi had come out from Red 5 and had kind of, you know, been drifting in the void for a bit as you went along and uh, a resurgence occurs with Boom. So where did this all begin with Boom?
1: Um, well what happened was uh we had some hiccups over at Red 5 when it came to release like I had done the first four issue mini series then we were turning then we turned it into a trade paperback and we had planned on doing another four issue mini series and one thing kind of stumbled over another and it delayed the release and by the time Uh, We had gotten back on track and ready to go. I had created a whole new issue intended for Red 5 that never got published and had ideas for further stuff, and my contract was coming to an end, and I kind of felt like the time was to move on elsewhere anyway. So amicably I said you know, I'm going to walk away and see what else I can do with Bodhi, and I was fortunate enough that I have connections at Boom through Whitney Leppard, who was my editor. Uh, She had me do – covers for Adventure Time and for Amazing World of Gumball uh, in the past years. And so I brought her to Bodie, or vice versa, and uh, I said, I don't know if you're familiar with Bodie. I think it might be a good book for, for Boom and the Kaboom line. And, and she's like, well, I happen to be a fan of Bodie, so you don't have to sell me. And we just went through all this discussion uh, over the course of, we'll say, maybe six months at most, and before you knew it, the uh, contracts were being signed. And, and now it's happening. It's
0: very exciting because it's through their uh, their kind of more family line, right?
1: Yes, the Kaboom line of Boom. I mean, Boom in general is pretty all ages, pretty you know. Yeah. But uh, the Kaboom line specifically is meant for younger readers, you know, because admittedly some of the Boom titles are a little more adventurous, are probably a little more intense than what kids can handle, and Kaboom is definitely for everybody
0: uh people should feel safe with it too because you're well known for your sensibility you know you're you're a master at walking that line which is uh you know adult and children entertainment that the children aren't going to notice right
1: i hope so yeah. you know uh because you know i've got my subversive humor but at the same time heart is key to everything i do so i don't like doing anything too raw and and i don't know i just i like heartfelt and for me that's all ages so.
0: So, break down how the book's going to work, because it does involve old Bodhi and new Bodhi.
1: Yeah, and it's it's good you're asking that, because I want to make sure everybody understands. So, we are taking all the previously published Bodhi So That would be that first four-issue arc that I did for Red 5 plus a couple free comic book day stories that I did through Red 5 that were never published anywhere else. Never in a collection. Um, The very first Bodhi story I ever did uh, with the help of Mike Mignola allowing me usage of his Hellboy character, which you have to read the book to find that out, but the proto-Bodhi is in that. And then all the new material I've made. I've made One story that has never been published before that is perfect for this new book and a couple other brand new stories that are really going to expand on who Bodhi is, who his best friend Charlie is, Ms. Bijou, the fairy godmother who runs the drunken pumpkin, and that whole world is getting expanded in a big way. There's going to be some great changes that no one foresaw, and it's a ton of fun.
0: The great thing about this is people don't need to catch up or think that they're jumping on halfway through a story. You buy this new Bodhi book and you're going to get all the Bodhi that ever bodied.
1: Correct. Yeah. Oh, and that's yeah. a good tagline.
0: Too. Which is, you know, that's a great way to go about it. So, cause it's going to be like, what? It's a 200 page book, isn't it?
1: Oh, at least, yeah, Yeah. Um, because that's not even counting in all the great special features we got, sketches I did developing the characters and pinups by some of my buddies in the industry who are brilliant artists, and I mean, this is, if I didn't create this myself, I'd jump all over this anyway. This is my kind of thing. I'm my own best audience. I,
0: (laughs) I just remembered something, literally, from yesterday that I forgot to tell you about. You did a free comic book day, Bodie. Yeah. Yeah, when was that?
1: Oh gosh, uh, three years ago, maybe
0: I was chatting with Mr. Tony Isabella, the creator of Black Lightning. Yeah. Before he became a comic book writer, he was a comic book reviewer, and that's kind of how he got into it, right? He was very well known as like a reviewer, and he worked with a price guide and stuff, right?
1: Sure, sure.
0: Every year, he reads every free comic book. That comes up. Yeah. And I was chatting with him and I can't remember how, but I like kind of pointed down the row and was like, Oh, Jay Fosgett, something or other. And I mentioned Bodie Troll. He's like, Oh, I remember that one, that was good. And I was That's like nice. – he's like, they did a free comic book day, right? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, yeah, I read them every year. And I, I don't review every one of them, but I read every one every year and I remember them all. And I was just like, oh my god. <laughs>
1: that, that guy's an encyclopedia if he can do that.
0: Yeah, so I meant to mention that. That's not going to be in there though, is it?
1: Uh, what? The free comic the free... book day issue? is it? In the... Yes, it is. Are you, really? <laughs> well, there's there's two free comic book day stories that I had done in the course of being at Red 5. And they're both going to be in the book. I'm telling you, everything that I've ever done with Bodie is in this collection. And then the follow-up book will be all brand new stuff.
0: That's great, man. <laughs> yeah. You're already looking on to the next one, too. I know it's been playing around in your head a lot.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I've got ideas spanning five years that I'm just now finally being able to bring into the material. So, um it's going to rely on this first book being a hit, but in all likelihood, there's going to be a follow-up Bodhi book, and so I'm, you know, trying to get a jump on it, and I've plotted it all out. It it should do well.
0: I, and seriously, kids, there's not a lot out there unless you actually need the Muppets or you actually want, you know, that sort of actual known IP. And there needs to be more things like Bodhi Troll that are giving up that sentiment you know what i mean and filling that void there's not a lot of family comic books there's adult comic books there's kids comic books but there's not a lot of books out there to share together you know
1: yeah i totally agree and and that's i was thinking of that when i created bodie because i've you know i read kids as a kid books as a comic kid books as a comic.
0: <laughs> when i was a young comic <laughs>
1: when i was a child some of the kids comics were so insipid and and just played to the The littlest of kids. And of course, I grew up reading the more adult superhero stuff because the stories were mature enough that they captured my interest. So with Bodhi, I want, you know, the best of both worlds. I want the cuteness, but I want stories that are engaging.
0: It's hard on a podcast sometimes because you can try and describe a book as best you can, but sometimes there's situations where you just need to see it to really understand. You know, like we're, we're, it's not that this is a confusing concept. I'm sure everybody gets the gist of it, but you really need to see the beauty of what this world looks like to understand uh, its awesomeness. you know what I mean? So,
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, comics are a visual medium, and uh, definitely it helps to be able to see what we're describing, but hopefully it appeals to people.
0: But like you said, Bodhi is a little troll, and he's cute, and he's fuzzy, and he's got... Uh, how can we describe him he's he's I, he's uh he's anamorphic like there's he's you know he stands on his hind legs he's got a little tail with a fluff on the end he's got big ears and he's got big black eyes,
1: yeah, like big black jelly beans yeah <laughs> I, I what I always say and I have the characters described this way in the book he has arms like an ape and he walks hunched over like a little gorilla he's got a tail like a fraggle he's got cow ears he has this crazy mop of brown hair. Um and uh, eyes like jelly beans, so he's uh That's
0: an excellent description.
1: (laughs) That's the best way I can put it.
0: That's totally the way to put it. That's adorable. Uh in fact people can also meet Bodie because Bodie in fact has been turned into a puppet now twice.
1: Twice, yes. And one way or the other there's a puppet with me at most of these shows because people love meeting him. And
0: Well, it's a great thing to have at the shows when you have that gimmick, you know, especially with something as interactive as a puppet, right?
1: Yeah, and it's beneficial that Bodie lends himself to being a puppet, whereas some characters, I don't think it works for. It's always a neat gimmick to have, but some characters work better as puppets as others. And because of my lifelong appreciation of Jim Henson and the Muppets, Bodie, of course, is a natural outstretch of that.
0: Well, the 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 other thing about it though is is even though you do have some it's not a book filled with like magical creatures like this is a human no. human world and most of your supporting characters are human
1: that's a great way to put it too by the way i think that's fantastic yes uh it really is it's our world uh it's our society in a fairy tale sense and and it's not all filled with magic potions and wizards it's not harry mm-hmm. potter but at the same time it's a fairy tale world so things can happen I would
0: put the sentiment of it closest to, like, the feel of it and the way you approach it to, if I had to pick something to, like, compare it to, uh, would be Shrek.
1: Oh, sure. Yeah, because it has that kind of anachronistic uh, approach to things, you know? It's like you have the fairy tale world, but there happens to be a, a media in the fairy tale world that is a puppet theater versus CNN. Yeah. You know? Yeah,
0: yeah. It's very in the vein of Shrek. And I don't want to confuse people or throw that off by saying it, but I hope they understand that. I just mean, like, the mentality of the jokes. Like,. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it, you, you, it, it doesn't look yeah. like Shrek at all.
1: <laughs> no, but you have to have these sorts of comparisons for people to reach their own understanding, and I get
0: that. Well, okay, like- yeah, Casey was talking about that yesterday in our panel. How when you're plotting something and, and pitching something, don't necessarily be afraid to mention other things that it's like. Like that helps yeah. people to understand what you're going for. You know.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I've listened to people pitch things before and they're like, "Oh, it's grew the wanderer uh meets reservoir dogs," you know? And people kind of make their own connections in their heads that way. That's that's the way it works. Everything comes from something, intentionally or not, and it's familiarity is what sells our books.
0: I've discovered some great books that were described to me because of like two other books or something meets something or this is the this of that. And, yeah. you know, that's definitely pulled me into reading stuff in the past. So, oh, me too. I guess I don't know if it's fear of just. I don't even think it's fear of, like, copyright or anything. People just don't want to copy in general. You know what I mean? They don't want to feel like they're not being original and ripping people off. So,
1: well, and it's tricky because, believe it or not, everything has been done before. And you can't worry about that when you're creating. You can only hope, well, my spin is, is so me. That people aren't going to say, oh, so-and-so did that or, oh, it's like this. You can't avoid it, but all you can do is the best book you can
0: do. It's also how incredibly rare that something that original comes out that you can't compare it to anything, right? It's –
1: I don't think it's possible.
0: It's really hard. One of the last times that happened in – like let's take movies for example, how rarely it ever happens, right? mm -hmm. But I remember way back in the day, decades ago almost now, when The Matrix came out. And I was like, this is literally unlike fucking anything. Like of course you could still find like Geiger esque elements or whatever the hell like elements. But overall the matrix was, for the first time in a long time, something completely unlike anything else, you know? Oh yeah. And that was 20 years ago. (laughs) (laughs) There's there's nothing I'd put on that level since, right?
1: (laughs) I would say nothing in modern storytelling would – I mean the closest thing you could probably compare it to and it was so loose. would be like your original Tron from the 80s.
0: There you go. Yeah. See? Even see, you still can find something. But yeah. Yeah. I never connected those two. But actually now when you mention it, of course, going into the computer world and such, you know?
1: Yeah, but you know, it's not it's rarely intentional though. It's usually, "Oh yeah, that's that's a possible connection," but you know, people have original ideas they don't realize they're filtering other things.
0: No, no, you know, it's hard when people ask me they're like, "So what's your podcast about?" And it's probably the single most difficult question for me to answer because I have this main reputation as a comic book podcast, right? Mm-hmm. I've done 300 episodes. Well, this is 302, right? Mm-hmm. And I counted it out. I have had 136 comic creators on the show. That's awesome. And some of those are multiple interviews on one episode. Right. That means there's well over 150 episodes of other shit. Yet I am. <laughs> yet I am known as a comic book podcast for some reason, which I've never touted myself as. I've never, ever labeled this show as a comic book podcast. I just love comic books. They're creators and talking to them. And it's a weird thing. People will ask me and I'll be like, it's just like conversational. And they're like, well, who do you have on? And I'll be like, just whoever I want to talk to. It's that simple, right? Oh, yeah. So people say, "Well, what other podcast is it like?" And it's not like any others except kind of the the big twos. And I have to say, and I've had to learn to be okay with saying, it's like Chris Hardwick, it's like Joe Rogan, it's like what they do. It's I just shoot the shit with people, you know. Like even Chris Hardwick has a more interview style than I do, where you know he'll fire off a lot more questions in an hour than I will, right?
1: What I like about your podcast is that you, for one, you're very chill, which is not always the case. And I've done a lot of podcasts where it's usually two guys who end up riffing with each other, and there's a lot of loud laughing and stuff, and you kind of lose track of what's going on. And you, it's very, it's much like Dick Cavett. If you check out the old Dick Cavett show,
0: no, that's I what love I, that shit, man. I appreciate that. Thank you. because yeah. you know, that's it's a much more you know you got to be you, and you're right. There's so many podcasts that are just two dudes trying to be funny. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and that's that does no benefit to the the audience or the guest, but you know, you're very focused and you do your homework too, which is something else I dig.
0: I do. I guess to an extent. To
1: the extent <laughs> I mean, look, there's a, Well, there's here's your
0: right, you're right. Room. I do yeah. my homework, but I don't pre-prepare the interview or the right. conversation. I will find out about who I'm talking to, but I will not pre-make questions based on that information.
1: And that's better, right? That's better. It's free flowing, but you know what you're talking about.
0: You have to. And you know what, though? Sometimes it's fun to not know, too. I've gone into a lot of chats where I haven't known Dick all. That happens a lot at shows, right?
1: But But, you have to admit
0: to it. Oh, I, I fully do. But I think that's the difference in the confidence. Like a lot of people don't want to talk to somebody if they don't know about them. I know tons of podcasters who won't go near interviewing somebody if they don't have something, right? Right. But I don't give a fuck. I really don't. I'm like, okay, let's start at the beginning. Where are you from? Like, you know, it seems like the most cliched, typical question in the world, which it is. But even the best still start with the beginning. They start at the start and they usually start with where are you from? Or, you, hey, you grew up around here, didn't you? And that is the, that is the beginning point to like 90% of the conversations you're going to hear in an interview podcast, right? Yeah. And it's just natural to start that way unless the conversation begins on some other point, right? Like you and I right now, we're not getting, like we just did a, uh, like, let's kind of break down what we just did as far as from the beginning is, you know, you hit me up and you were like, Jay, Bodhi's coming out. Can we, you know, can I come on the show? I was like, of course. You know, we want to push Bodhi. And we did that. We, we started with the reason that you were coming on, which was Bodhi. But, you know, we've had a now almost forty minute conversation without having to be like, Oh, so you grew up in Michigan, you learned to draw here, this inspired you there, even though that came up. But you know what I mean? Like Yeah. Yeah. So if you have a more natural Yeah, if you have a point to come in on, like we're specifically we're talking about how Bodies going boom right now, right? Boom goes the Bodhi. And, uh, you know, that's, that's the topic, but also, you know, you're like a friend and you're a friend of the show. So you're on all the time. So that'll make for a completely different conversation than if I'm talking to somebody I've never met before.
1: Absolutely. They have to sort of hit the ground running and say, this is who I am. This is what I do. I've got the, the gift of familiarity.
0: That's always the beginning for me. And it's just, it's such an easy point and it really explodes from there. Because I am always genuinely interested in where people are from. I love to travel. I love cultural, you know, idiosyncrasies. That's what I just said that wrong. How do you say that? No,
1: Id- uh, idiosyncrasies. Idiosyncrasies.
0: That's why what I was you're going more for. than just a good synchrosy. podcaster.
1: You're a great journalist. No, no,
0: you can't call me that, Aaron Broverman. Is a good journalist. I'm not a
1: journalist. No, you don't listen. You're you got to look up the true definition of journalist, and you've got it. You get that story out there, but you hit the personal points. I trust me. I studied journalism in college. I worked in newspapers. I know what I'm talking about. All right, all right.
0: You know, I think a lot of it is you get better when you let it all go. There are millions of podcasts out there that are so infinitely, you know, bigger than mine. You know I've been doing this for seven years. I've you know been steady and I've pushed it through and there's other shows that have existed for a month that get like you know eight thousand times the listeners I do. so it's a it's 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 a point where you you really have to not do it for the numbers. You have to do it for nothing other than the love of the conversation, you know what I mean It's,
1: it's just like what I do.
0: You know? Well, it's the same thing I with know. anybody and anything, of course. You have to make comics for the love of comics. If you go into comics trying to make money, you're probably the f- most foolish person in the world.
1: Yeah, seriously. Go open a, par- a paid parking lot. You know, you make more money.
0: <laughs> Completely. Uh, so is there any kind of – back onto the Bodie train, is there any kind of uh, – what? what's the plan, the excitement? Is that day just going to hit and it's available or –
1: Well, yes, it is definitely – it's just going to hit comic shops immediately, and I have a couple signings lined up to begin with. I'm going to be at Green Brain Comics. Um, I don't have the date in front of me because it hasn't been put on my calendar yet, but uh, it will – it's in March. And so Green Brain Comics, if you go to their website, uh, they're in Dearborn, Michigan, and they have it uh, listed. And so that's sort of like a hometown shop for me, and I love the people who own it. We've been friends for years, and they've always promoted my work, so I'm going to be there. I'm going to be doing a signing in New Hampshire, which is the first time I've done one across country to promote one of my books. And a couple more in Michigan. I got a full tour of conventions this year, like at least 15 different shows I'm doing. Um, all around the country, and many, many in my beloved Canada.
0: It's and, incredibly exciting that Toronto Comic Con is happening in March, like right after Bodhi comes out.
1: I know. Yeah. It couldn't be better yeah, for me.
0: Yeah, because yeah. that's it. So, Like this is, your, this is your jam. People love you here.
1: That's my hometown show. It's
0: ridiculous how much people love you here.
1: <laughs> uh, you know, and, and you cannot... Say enough about the faithful readers who will keep coming back to you for new stuff and and whatever. I mean, they they're my my lifeblood. Yeah. Um. But yeah, no, we got big things planned with Bodie, like you mentioned. We I just made a brand new Bodie puppet because. The original Bodhi puppet is absolutely brilliant, built by the great James Voidle, who builds me puppets all the time on commission. And uh, I had a new Bodhi puppet made because there is a change coming to Bodhi in the comics that will be a permanent one, and I needed it reflected in the puppet. Ah. Uh, so, and I. Wait a minute, I, I won't, you needed
0: it I, reflected in the puppet. Yeah. I've seen the
1: puppet. Yeah, you didn't see it closely.
0: Oh, okay. So it's okay. Sorry, people, but Jay's already teased this to me in the past, and I don't want to know. I don't want it to be spoiled. Absolutely not.
1: I, I'm surprised I didn't tell you. I knew uh, it's. An,
0: I knew. I knew he'd kind of evolved in some way, but I. I don't. I didn't know how significantly noticeable it was. I was like, Is Bodie gonna grow horns or some kind of shit? And uh, I've seen – see, now I'm scared to go back and look at the video of the puppet you sent me because I don't want to ruin – because I won't oh, be able well. to help but look closely at it. It's not the a- eyes though, right? That was a – that was – No. OK.
1: But I'm glad you brought that up. When I first designed Bodhi, he always had the big black jellybean eyes, but I used to put like little highlights in them, which were originally just highlights. And eventually they helped to use them as pupils to show his focus better. And so now they're just pupils, um, and so that is in the puppet now, which it wasn't in the original, but that's not the change.
0: Ooh. Yeah. I can't look. Don't tell me. Don't you dare you, tell me, I I won't
1: tell you. You won't pick up on I got, it from that video.
0: Like if I, what if I scoured the video? Like,
1: look, you go right ahead. You're not gonna uh-uh.
0: really. So it's, it's a subtle thing then.
1: It's very subtle.
0: I noticed he looks a little lighter, but that's because he matches the comic more. Right.
1: Um, yes, yeah, I'd say that, but that's not it either.
0: Ooh. I'm going to stop thinking about
1: it. I don't want to know. Yeah, and I'm not going to give anything away, but uh, you have to read the, the last story in the Bodhi book to see what the change really holds in store for the character, because it's not just a physical change. It suddenly changes Bodhi as a character a little bit.
0: Now you got me thinking, like, Bodhi's about to go through puberty.
1: Huh. Well, it's funny you should say.
0: Uh, interesting. Um, but lots of cool things. Uh let's quickly touch on things for the already existing Bodhi fans. For people who have read Bodhi, what are they going to get as far as I know we've heard about the Bog Hags but never seen them.
1: Yes, that's that's a big thing. I've been talking about bog hags since the very first Bodhi story in 2013. Bog hags are these malevolent creatures that live along the borders of Hagedorn, which is Bodhi's village, and they live in the bogs. And they never come into the village to attack anybody, but if you wander into their region, you're, you're pretty much screwed. And so you will find out just why uh, they are such a threat and why they've never attacked Hagedorn and what they look like. Um, which is awesome. Uh, we may and like Bodhi is a troll. Okay. But he's not exactly the typical troll that, that people imagine, you know, the humongous lumbering, scary, you're going to meet some of those.
0: That's exciting.
1: <laughs> uh, which I've always, I've been wanting to do that from day one too. And I was finally able to do that. You were going to find out things about my characters that I've either hinted at or have never even said before. Um, Which is uh, things about Ms. Bijou, uh, Charlie's fairy godmother who runs the Drunken Pumpkin. You're going to find out things about Charlie herself, which is just going to be amazing. Things about Bodhi. Uh, People have always asked me, well, is Bodhi a little kid or is he going to grow up? Well, you may just see Bodhi as a baby. You may see Charlie as a little girl. Um, You're going to find out uh, a big chunk of where Bodhi came from and why Bodhi why Bodhi is what he is and his name and everything.
0: Oh, his name There's, too, right?
1: Oh my gosh. That's one of my favorite things about writing these new stories is I got to determine, huh, where'd Bodhi's name come
0: from? I think the most exciting thing about the new Bodhi that's going to be coming that I can't wait for is the, uh, the puppet rot or the, oh, it's not, that's the other guys, the, uh, the pup casters.
1: Yes. Yeah. So I, I wrote a story and I, I'm happy to talk about this. I wanted to do a story that was a parody of my experiences going to comic conventions. And in Bodhi's world, uh, that. The convention is for Shakespearean type theatrical plays. So it's called a Sonic Con. And I wanted to have podcasters represented into it because they're such a crucial part of the Comic Con experience. But of course, it's a fairy tale world. So what are they? They are pup casters because they are Punch and Judy style puppets of which you are the main <laughs> pup caster. And I also have Derek Becker, uh, uh, Give me Derek's show's name. It's Comic pros memory.
0: and cons.
1: Thank you, yeah. and Derek's wife uh, Melissa is also in there. Nice. So as as a puppet podcaster, podcaster.
0: Nice. Uh, yeah. Uh, thank you, because that's exciting.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, like I said, you serve as a model for a couple different things in Bodhi. and I'll, I'll, that's all I'm going to say. But, uh, yeah, you're most prevalent as this awesome little puppet, which I hope we can build one day in real life because it's a great design.
0: It's got to be built in that style, though, in that Punch and Judy style for sure. The
1: Mr. Rogers style puppet. Do you know
0: what I want? I want a Drunken Pumpkin T-shirt.
1: Dude, I I think that would be a great uh, item. to. I might do that. Like it's just a
0: T-shirt with the logo of the Drunken Pumpkin on it.
1: You know, I yeah nope. I think that's a brilliant idea. It just it just uh,
0: came to me. So you're welcome.
1: Okay, and there's public
0: well, credit that that was my idea.
1: <laughs> son of a gun, there go, there go my residuals. So
0: okay, everybody, uh, is there anything we've missed that people should know about this exciting event? I think we've covered most of it.
1: One thing I would like to say, which is unique to this publication, not only is Bodhi coming out in stores on on March. Uh, February 28th, I'm sorry. But in March, uh, we are expanding. Bodhi will be available in all bookstores, on Amazon. Uh, they will, it will be available in schools, through school book fairs. Suddenly, Bodhi's world is going to be available to a much larger, larger uh, readership than ever before. And the potential for reaching new audiences who don't even read comics is huge. So Bodhi could, could blow up like mad.
0: Uh, I, I hope it does because it's a beautiful book. It's a beautiful story. It's great for everybody and you deserve it, my friend. You have been um, plugging through this since you were born. You've never done anything else. I want people to know that Jay has never done anything else. Jay has been cartooning since he was fucking 11 years old. And I'm sure you were drawing before that, but for some reason, 11 seems like the age when you really well, – you're
1: like, I'm going to do this. <laughs> obviously, and we know why, but we won't bother getting into that. Right
0: no, now. we can talk about it quickly. This year, Jay and I went to New York Comic Con together where – uh in New York is the Museum of Moving Images. They had a special exhibit they put on this year about Jim Henson. It's called the Jim Henson exhibit. In that exhibit is a very special uh letter. When Jay was 11 years old, he wrote a letter to Jim Henson, you know, just like a fan letter, saying, please don't let the Muppets go anywhere. I want to work with them. I love you, blah, blah, blah. And Jim wrote him back and said, we're not going nowhere. Trust me. Can't wait to, you know, just an encouraging letter. Yeah. And Jim kept everything. So Jim kept those. And then recently, uh, Gonzo's daughter, in fact, who performs Gonzo.
1: Dave goals daughter
0: he she was going through the archives and found the letters thought to herself i'm gonna look this guy up looked up jay foz and realized oh my god it happened he actually became what he said he was gonna when he was 11 years old so those two letters are framed and in the jim henson exhibit which you know i a lot of people out there may have heard this story thousands of times but it's 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 one of those stories it's hard to get sick of because it's a literal little kid's dream come true. Oh,
1: absolutely. Like not your dream now.
0: This is your dream from when you were 11 years old.
1: Which has never gone away. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it's
0: an incredible thing. It was an honor to be able to there to witness it with you.
1: Oh, it it meant everything to
0: have you there. That was the most special part for me. So that and the headband, man. Everybody looks at the yeah. puppets and everybody like is amazed by everything they saw which I was I couldn't believe it but I couldn't get over the fact that his headband was there and anybody's know what I'm talking about when Jim Henson used to actually puppeteer uh, his microphone was held on by like a leather strapped uh, headband with like kind of hippie Indian bead designs around it and yeah. uh, they had that in a glass box next to the original Kermit. In this and that 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 blew my mind. I was like, oh my god it was like the first thing we saw too. Yeah. And I was like, holy shit, his headband. You know how much of his sweat is in that thing?
1: Yeah, we could reproduce him with technology.
0: Oh my god. I really wanted to smell it, as gross as that would be. <laughs>
1: I really did. I really
0: just wanted to give it a whiff, man. So, no, you know, that. so that's the story, kids. Uh, you know, boom goes the Bodie February 28th, pretty much available everywhere. Uh, and you're if you're in the Toronto area, uh, when, when is Comic Con again? I'm blanking out oh on my, the dates.
1: It's only a couple weeks away. Yeah, uh, uh, I don't have the exact date in front of it's me.
0: Seventy. it's uh, St. Patrick's Day weekend, maybe.
1: It is St. Patrick's yes. Day We can March 16th through the 18th yes. at the Metro Toronto Convention Center South Building.
0: Good times, everybody! Come on out, meet Jay. He'll be there. I'll be there.
1: Well, Bodie will be.
0: Bodie there. will be here. Um, and like you said, you can get it anywhere, uh, Amazon. Uh, you know what I? You know, go to your bookstores and get it. But if you can, if you're a comic guy
1: yeah
0: get it through your local retailers get it through your lcs get it through the brick and mortars get it show those little guys what it means you know what i mean yeah
1: i i don't discourage amazon orders but first and foremost go to the comic shop guys if you can't get it there go to bookstores and if you can't get it bookstores then get it online but get that interpersonal communication a lot of these guys know me and support me and need your support
0: and the cool thing though is you get it on amazon that's awesome and they'll send you the book it's totally easy and i do encourage that of course as well but if you do go to the comic shop and you pick up Bodie, you can be like hey you got anything else this guy has done and there are there are very good odds that you know you'll be able to check out what jay has done in rocket and Groot and then the spider verse so my little pony and so. my little pony it's funny how we're kind of letting that go from our brains are not we <laughs>
1: well I was just one of many really talented artists on that series and I'm proud to have been that you know but it's still going strong with other artists so I'm just pleased that I had my moment
0: absolutely so. you're definitely part of the the legacy of what is my little pony so uh, but other than that you can find Jay uh, on Facebook there's uh, Jay Fosgett Art fan page you can check out there is uh, JP Fosgett on Instagram on Twitter um, anywhere else
1: oh my gosh I'm on all social media if you go to jfosga.com it's all listed in the link section Instagram Twitter Tumblr uh, I think I'm on Reddit I think uh, I know for a fact I'm on Pinterest so you can find me
0: very cool thank you my friend it's always a pleasure to have you here in the L5J studio
1: thank you Jay hope to return again soon
0: that's all we're gonna have this week on an elegant weapon kids take it easy